listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. What description, what, what, what sentences, what, what acts, what, what ministries of Jesus would you describe to those what would be the emphasis of your painting? I want you to focus in on your painting. Because Jesus is kind of kind of through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the through the pen of uh, of Mark, is going to display himself this morning. But but how would you describe him? How what, what would you emphasize? And there is a way in which Mark chapter number three really is this beautiful portrait of Jesus Christ and uh, just and just his beauties and we are confronted with the way people react to him we're confronted with how people perceive Jesus and so I want you to put yourselves in the pages here of this scripture and what we've already learned throughout the book of Mark and what is your perception of him is he a great God like we sang about is he the things that is there really no other name that, that, that we ought to you know, give allegiance to. There's a lot of things we give our allegiance to. And uh, how, would we, how would we respond to Jesus? I said last week that all four of the Gospels, they have a singular purpose. And all of them are summed up in John 20, verse 31. But these are written, that would be all the Gospels, all the perspectives, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you might have life through His name. And so John is saying all of the Gospels were written so that you and I could come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is, what He said, and what He did, and we can have eternal life. So they're all designed as proof. They're all designed as as evidence. And so you and I, we can take that evidence. We can take that proof. And we can allow it to lay its weight on our hearts and to show us how we define Jesus Christ. We saw last week that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. They brought forward the man that had the withered hands and they were trying to, whether it was a test or not, to see if Jesus was going to work on the Sabbath. And we've learned over the last several times we've been in, in the book of Mark that, that the Sabbath was made for man. It, 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 not man made for the Sabbath. And so for God to heal on the Sabbath was ultimate picture of really uh, the restoration of the broken world in worship. And so it's a beautiful way to use the Sabbath. And then we also talked about how Jesus is the, how He's the great uh, deliverer and how this crowd pressed in on Him and how uh, the, the, the demons that were present even called Him the Son of God, knew who He was. And I referenced how so much of the society of that day would not acknowledge who Jesus was and many rejected them. And what I was trying to say last week, and I, and I don't mind sharing a little bit with you again this morning, is that, is that the system that the Jews were functioning their worship with God out of was never going to be acceptable with God, never going to be acceptable with Jesus. And He came to completely crush that and to, uh, you know, to, to usher in in Christ. And so God's people are immensely still uh, important to Him. He loves them deeply. And if in any way I portrayed that not to be the case, please forgive me. It is absolutely His heart apple of his eye it was the system of their form of worship basically a works righteousness type of thing that that jesus came to uh, obliterate and so we've seen him as the lord of the sabbath we've seen him as 
the great deliverer, even though not everyone was willing to be delivered by him. But I want us to notice here, uh, first of all, this morning, Jesus, the great discipler. If we're going to look at this portrait, really, this is kind of the third way that we're going to see Jesus. Jesus, the great discipler. And so what Jesus does is he, is he pulls away from the crowd. Remember the crowd earlier in the chapter. I mean, they're, they're pressing in on him. He asked if he, could kind of, if he can kind of get a boat. And so he's, he's making steps in his ministry that are incredibly important. There's a lot of mystery and purpose to this, to this next portrait, to this next portion of the painting. We do not really have a lot of information about these disciples whom Jesus called by way of Mark the Apostles. We have a little bit about where they're from, maybe some of their nicknames. We have some family associations. But could it be that we don't know much about them from Mark's perspective is because his focus has always been on Christ and not these men. And so it says that he went up to the mountain and he called those whom he desired. You see, the qualifications, hear me, the qualifications of these men is not found in where they came from. The qualifications of these men that, that were listed in, in, in this chapter are not who their family is. It's not even what their portfolio is. It's not how well they're going to be um, at issuing um, the, the, the commandments that, that, that Jesus Christ even gives them. How do, they, how do they fit the profile for what Christ is going to do? It doesn't matter about that. Their qualifications are found in Christ. He chooses and He qualifies them. He teaches them. He enables them. And He's going to send this company, if you'll allow me to say it, these ragtag guys around the world to preach the Gospel and to literally be in hand-in-hand combat with evil. He, he just said, I am going to qualify them. And so you might be sitting there this morning and you're wondering, what can I do for God? What can I do for Jesus in 2019? Listen, it's not no, so much your background. It's not your family. It's not your heritage. Jesus literally, if you will allow Him, He qualifies you for His task. You just have to submit to it. You just have to say, God, what do you want me to do this week? God, what, sometimes we get so focused on the future, especially teenagers. We've got a few of them in here, maybe even college students. So focused on the future. Just do what God wants you to do today. Just do what He wants you to do this afternoon. Listen, He's, he's equipped you for what He will ask of you today. And so as you see in Christ's first step, and He's building this worldwide church, He's not content with just evangelizing just Palestine. The gospel is going to blow way past Palestine. And he uses these men. And he uses Thomas. I mean, they're going to all different kinds of places. And so there's also tragedy in the beginning portion that we read. And it's because the final identification is Judas Iscariot. And he calls Judas Iscariot who's going to betray him. Jesus was willing to be betrayed. He was willing to face injustice. He was willing to be mocked. Jesus was willing to be beaten. He was willing to hang on a cross. Why? So that the gospel of the kingdom would be real. So that God's righteous anger could be satisfied. So that His righteousness can be given to us. Jesus was willing to go through everything to be betrayed and mocked and killed so forgiveness could be given. And so that His church would live forever. And so Jesus, this great discipler, he begins to call these 
12 officially call them. He's already told them, hey, I want you to leave your, I want you to leave your nets. I want you to leave your boats. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, now this is kind of the beginning of the official calling. And he's going to give them uh, deeds. And it's just amazing what he calls them to. And so he's an amazing discipler. Can I encourage you to sign up to be a follower of Jesus? Sign up. Because He will be a wonderful disciple of you. He will use His Word. He will use people in your life. He'll use, he'll use the ministry of the preached Word to disciple you, to hone you in because you have been called into this ministry. Wonderful discipler. Can I say secondly this morning, Jesus is the hope of creation. He's the hope of creation. Look what it says in verse number 20. And the multitude cometh together again. They've already come. They're just pressing on Him. He gets away, goes up to a mountain, calls His disciples, but now they're coming together again so that they could do, that they could not so much as eat, so that he, they could not so much as eat bread. And when His friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on Him. For they said, He is beside Himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. And by the prince of devils casteth he out devils. So we find Jesus said he's come off the mountain, and he's mostly, Jesus is at home, so to speak. It's not, it's not his home because he didn't own one. He didn't even have a pillow to lay his head. The Bible tells us in other places. But as, but as is the case, Jesus can't get away, um, and the people are always being brought to him. And he's, this crowd has found him again. He's definitely the hope of all creation. They're, they're coming to him. They've heard of all of the things that Jesus can do. And so the scene is, is that Jesus comes out of the house. He's not even able to take time to eat because this man, is, he, he's full of compassion. And he's out there and he's ministering to the crowd and it's pressing in around him. And again, your mind has got to go to the scene. Try to, try to place yourself there. There's just... Tons of people once again. And the response of his friends, if you were to look into the other Gospels, is really his, it's his family that is, uh, that, 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 that is present here. And they went out to seize him and they say, he's out of his mind. This man, he's crazy. His family's confronted with this choice. If you remember from last week, there's, there's no partiality. There, there, there's no, there's no neutrality, neutrality with Jesus. He is our natural son and nothing else, or is this natural Son, in fact, the Son of God? That's the choice that is being brought to them, and sadly, they say, He's crazy. Jesus is actually beginning to act like He believes what the people are saying about Him. The news that is spreading abroad, that, that He can forgive sin, the news that, that, that He can heal the withered hand, that He can heal the blind, and He can do all these amazing things the leprous man the, the news is getting out. The Bible tells us in other places that if everything that Jesus did in His earthly ministry was written, it couldn't, the books couldn't even contain it. And so, the news had gotten out. And so, they say, ah, He's just crazy. He's delusional. He's not even able to eat bread. He's not even able to eat. He's not even able to take care of Himself anymore. We need to get Him out of there. We, 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 need, to, we need to protect Him. We need to save Him from Himself. You can hear in this moment of Mark chapter number 3 the words of John when he said, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. I love this verse. But as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, 
Do you believe on His name this morning? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you, have you received Him? John told us earlier, it's like all of this is written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of it's written so that you and I would believe and we would have eternal life in His name. What an emotional scene. There's really, there's no neutrality. The next portion of this portrait is the most theological of the six. The power of Jesus is so clear now that, that it cannot be denied. It's been demonstrated over and over again all throughout Palestine. It's been witnessed by so many people that the scribes and the Pharisees, they can no longer deny the power of Jesus. I mean, they can no longer say, ah, you were just seeing things. You know, you had too much food. They can no longer say that. I mean, the news has spread. And so what they do is they say, no, 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 this is the, this is the power of Beelzebub. And Mark 3, verse 23, and he called them unto him and said to them in parables, this is Jesus' response, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. So they've come out and they've, they've formed some kind of apologetic that would make Jesus look evil in the eyes of those that were running to Him. Remember, every scene we're seeing, people are flocking to Jesus. And they see Jesus and they say that He's possessed by Beelzebub. In other words, the prince of devils. And He's doing all of this by the, by the, by the power of devils. He's, he's casting out demons by the demons. Now, it's not very hard to argument, argue this deal with, with this argument. And so Jesus, he, he just begins to kind of deal with it in two ways. First, he talks about the, how irrational and, lo, and unlogical these things are. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? Now, let, let's think about this for a moment. So if a kingdom goes, war, goes to war with itself and it wins, there's no more kingdom. Right? If a family goes to war with itself, and that's what it means when it talks about the house there in that text. So if a family begins to devour each other and goes at each other and destroys each other, there's no family. And if Satan would go to war with Satan, I'd love for this to happen, and Satan, there'd be no more Satan, right? That's just like the simplistic logic with which Jesus was trying to say here. And yet, you, you, you think here, you know, it, it's, it's a devastating argument, that Christ, but, but Christ isn't done. Because then, he says something else. And this is so important for us this morning. Jesus said in verse number 27, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Portrait number three that we see of Jesus is this. Jesus, the stronger man. Jesus is the stronger man. This is one of the most powerful passages in Scripture because Jesus is saying, I've invaded the house of the strong man, Satan. I've invaded his house. I've broken down his door. And in my carnation, I, I am strong. I am the stronger man. I have, I have tied him up. I have taken him from any, I've taken anything that I want from him. 
Now you say, what is, well, what is Jesus talking about? Well, first of all, he's talking about his incarnation. His our, our incarnation is pictured by entering the strong man's house. Who does this world belong to right now? It belongs to Satan. He's the prince of power of the air. He's the one that is roaming. He's the one, there's a spirit of antichrist even happening right now in our world. And Jesus Christ entered in to this man's quote-unquote house, into this man's uh, dominion. And he's talking about binding him up. He's talking about a specific historical event. Hear what I'm about to say. I believe, notice what I said there, I believe that he's talking about the temptation that was pictured in Mark chapter number 1. I believe Jesus, as he kind of refutes the whole Satan in the house and the kingdom, I mean, it's just like, this is not even logical. But by the way, don't you remember the evil one threw everything, the best he had, at me for 40 days. And Jesus is saying, I defeated him every time. I am the stronger man. I have now bound the enemy, and I can do whatever with this kingdom that I want. And I want to say this, praise God for that. Jesus bound him in his temptation. He publicly defeated him on the cross. And he's going to finally defeat him in the entrance into the, into the, the final kingdom where sin and suffering, all of those things are going to be defeated. Here I'm about to say, if you are God's child, if you are a believer, you are the sons and daughters of the stronger man. What is your portrait of him? What is your portrait of Jesus? He is the stronger man. You do not need to live a defeated life. You do not need to live in this mortal fear of Satan any longer. You never struggle with sin by yourself any longer. Because the stronger man has come. And he, as the, as the second Adam, stood in your place where the first Adam failed. And he passed the test. And he has the power over evil. Praise him for that. He is your stronger man. Don't just pull up those bootstraps and say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to take on Satan. Listen. He does it for you. He's got no longer any power over you. Ryan, there's this, there's this sin in my life. It has power over me. No, it doesn't. You're allowing it. The chains, when you read the book of Romans, Paul talks about in Christ the chains are gone. Why? Because of Jesus. Now listen, all this that he's done, I've already said this to you, it was all substitutionary for you. All of that was for you. All of that was for Jesus in your place. Get up and live in faith and hope and courage. Why? Because the stronger man is your Savior. Because Jesus lives inside of you. Let that be your portrait this week. Don't be defeated this week. Instead, shine forth Jesus, the stronger man. And then Jesus says, in verse 28, Verily I say unto you, all sin shall be given unto the, forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemers wherewith soever shall they blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said, he hath an unclean spirit. Now sadly, this passage has been terribly misinterpreted. We've ripped it out of its context and we've begun to kind of float this theology of this unpardonable sin that has led to the grief and confusion of many. 
and even doubt to the heart of believers. I wonder if I've ever committed the the unpardonable sin. I wonder if I've ever, in a sense, blasphemed the Holy Spirit. So So what is Jesus, what is He talking about? Well, if you assign here, follow me, just, just, just let me spend a minute here on this. If you assign evil to the Savior, that's exactly what they were doing. Hey, he's, he, he's, the, he, he's, he's of the power of Beelzebub. He's, he's possessed with the devil, and this is where this power is coming from. So if you assign evil with the Savior, so that rather than your heart running toward Him, it runs away from Him, there's no rescue for you. If you run from Christ because somehow you've attributed evil to Jesus Christ, you're not going to run to Him. You are going to run from Him. And guess what? There is absolutely no rescue for that. If you and I, if we reject the means of forgiveness, there will be no forgiveness. I believe that's all it means. So what is he talking about? It, it, it is a conscious, deliberate continued rejection of the saving power and grace of God delivered through the words and actions of Jesus. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. If you look carefully at the text, it says, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So listen, if we've attributed evil to Jesus, we're never going to run to Him. We're never going to be rescued. And then ultimately, there's going to be eternal damnation. But for every single person that's ever walked this earth, they can submit to Christ. They can come to the realization that Jesus is the Son of God and you can believe and you can have eternal name or eternal life in His name is what John tells us. And so the unpardonable sin, hear me, the unpardonable sin is the sin of unbelief. Sin of unbelief. If you run from Him and you do not believe in Christ, there will be no pardon. Jesus is the only hope. And if you reject Him as Messiah, you are rejecting your hope. Do you understand? This is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees wanted to continue in their systematic Judaism. And they wanted to get to heaven on their own. It was a works-based religion, honestly. And what Jesus came, He came and He blew that up. And he said, if you're going to believe what these men are saying, if you're going to believe that I have a demonic power inside of me, then guess what? You're not going to run to me. You're going to run somewhere else. And that run always leads you to damnation. Follow me? Let's not rip this out of context and begin to dangle that over the... I I don't believe a believer can commit this sin. Because you've already believed. We good? All right. Number four. The final one. Jesus, He's the brother and friend to all who believe. He's the brother and friend to all who believe. Verse 31. There came then his brethren and his mother. So that kind of gives you the idea of who was really one out there. And standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. It says in verse 33, And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brother. Now remember where his mother and brother are out. They're not there at the moment. And he looks around, Who is this? They're my mother and my brother, so to speak. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. Here's basically what he's saying. He's like, your family. His mother and brothers, they'd, they'd come outside to get him. And the crowd is sitting around him. 
And they said to him, your mother and your brothers, they're outside seeking you, Jesus. You know your family's looking for you. I mean, that's a natural response, right? And Jesus says, don't you know by adopting, but by, by my adoption, by my forgiving, delivering grace, I'm raising up a new family? Don't you get it? Hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? You're in the club, guys. There's no, there's no second-rate Christian. There's no, there's no tears of Christian. There's no, oh, hey, hey, that's a really, really good Christian. That's a really, really bad Christian. No, we're all even in Christ. Amen? It doesn't matter what our skin color is. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter our social statuses or any of that. How many friends we have on Facebook? You notice I said that? They they didn't remember our birthdays, right? They're not friends. Reality is, is in Christ, man, we got a dear friend. We got a dear family member. We become the sons of God. We are in Christ. If you've trusted in Him, if you've sought His forgiveness, if you've forsaken your kingdom for His kingdom and His righteousness, Jesus is your brother and your friend. Hallelujah forever. What a portrait. Man, Mark, just so quick. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the, he's the great physician. He's the great healer. He's a great discipler. He's calling, hey, hey, follow me. Follow me. It's not because you're great. It's not because of your past. It's not because of your pedigree. It's because I'm going to equip you. He is also the stronger man. He's the hope of the broken creation. And he's a friend to all who believe. I will say again, as I said last week, you can seek to destroy him or you can run to him in brokenness and need. This week, Ryan, that's me, church, you can diminish who he is Or in your mind, you can elevate who He is. You can tell yourself this week that He can't help your marriage. Or you can go to Him this week and say, God, You are the very source of love. You are the very source of this. You and I, we can look at a particular sin that we're struggling with our lives and we can just say, I am going to be defeated this week by it. Or you can realize, no, no, Jesus is my stronger man. Jesus, you've already conquered this. Would you allow me to not, not gain victory for it? You've already got it. But to live from victory and stomp your foot on that sin. What does he look like to you? How great is your We sing that song really, really well. But when you get into the dumps this week, how great is he? When Satan starts throwing those fiery darts at you, how big is your king then? Beautiful portrait that Mark paints. Have you run to him? Do you rest in him? Do you find your joy and your purpose in him? You're here, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Listen, your only hope can be found in Him. Only forgiveness can be found in Him. I promise you, I wish I had the power to forgive sin. I don't. Only Jesus can do that. And He will. 
you ask Him to. Christ, He's everything you need today, tomorrow, the next day. He's the Lord of rest. You need rest? Just worship Him. Just worship Him. You need deliverance? He's, been, he's given it to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name I know. Every head bowed, every eye closed.